This is the Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheiman, brought to you by Ends Group Insurance. Ends Group is ensuring success. From the Gal Media Studios, here's Greg Scheinman. Okay, let's do this, people. Episode number 102 of the Midlife Mail Podcast with my guys, Dos and Taj Khan, the Congo way. I'm going to get to that in a minute. With the Midlife Mail Podcast, it is my mission to help men navigate middle age to achieve a better quality of life. I am fortunate that each week I get to share stories of inspiring men that reveal our humanity and inspire action. So, if you are listening right now, if you have been listening for a while, or if you are new to the show, welcome and thank you. I am super, super grateful. It would mean a lot to me if you could go and subscribe to the podcast and the newsletter. And if you like what you're hearing, please take a minute, rate and review us on iTunes, and give me a follow on Instagram at Greg Scheinman. These things help us to grow, help the midlife male movement continue to expand and get out there. All right, now back to who I've got with me today Dose and Taj Khan, the brothers. The Congo Way. These are my guys. I've been training with them for a while now. I am hooked. They are not only great trainers, but they are super great people and human beings. And I enjoy spending time with them, working with them, and training with them. They are two of the hardest working guys I know out there. Dose is a Houston-based trainer whose clients range from local media, influencers, professional athletes, and everyday people. Some of the athletes that he has trained include Houston Texans great Andre Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, Brian Cushing, Arian Foster, Owen Daniels, James Harden, Keely Ojai, wife of J.J. Watt. Really, really impressive stuff. Taj. The brother, I cannot say enough about this guy. When my son Harper broke his femur and had to have a rod and a bunch of screws put in at age 13, I turned to Taj to help him with his physical therapy to supplement a PT plan that we had put together with the doctors and the physical therapist. And Taj rebuilt my boy. Can't say enough about that. And also gave us the opportunity to train together, father and son, live it, breathe it, make lemonade from lemons, rebuild him, and always see the positive. So I'm grateful for that. I'm training with Taj still all the time. These guys have their gym opening up soon. Let's get with Dose and Taj and learn a little bit more about the Congo way. What up, boys? What's up, what's up? What up, boy? So, if you've been following me at all, anybody out there that knows me, you have seen us training together, you have seen the Decepticon hoodies, the hats, the shirts, all of it repping the brand, repping the logo. There is a movement going on in Houston, and it is the Congo way. So let's put this out there for all the guys that don't know it yet. Okay, what is going on? What is the Congo way, first and foremost? First off, that's pretty nice, Greg. I like the introduction. Um, 
that's love. But the Congo way, it's a lifestyle. It's a movement. It is a culture. Um, it is for everybody um, to an extent. Um, basically, it's a mentality. Um, shout out to Kobe Bryant. We like to implement the mama mentality with everything we do. It's, it's true grit. It's a work ethic. It's a lifestyle. Um, it's about hardest workers in the room, guys like yourself, um, entrepreneurs, businessmen, the everyday Joe Schmo and the elite athlete of the world. Love it. So I got connected with you guys a couple years back, getting ready for the D10 decathlon, those guys, and I was unfamiliar with this way of training. You know, the guy puts me at about 45, okay, at the time when we, when we got together, and a lot of overuse, a lot of injury, a lot of kind of perception that in order to be training hard and to be going at it, like, you got to be sore all the time. You got to be, you know, I'm laying off this part of my body because it's hurt and I can now, you know, do this thing over here. It was a lot of group fitness. I mean, it was, it was compounded year and year uh, after year of kind of a lot of intense strain on the body. Um, and when, when we got together, it, I kind of equated and I told people like, like a golfer who just totally breaks down his swing and says, okay, I've been swinging the wrong way for like 20 years. I got to start from scratch and, and break it down and rebuild from, from the ground up. Is that kind of accurate? Like what you guys do? I mean, I've got it from personal experience, but the process of kind of looking at people's mechanics and looking at how they train and approaching it individually Take us, take us through some of that. Uh, I'll probably let uh, Dose start with that one because, you know, I learned everything from him. Um, so, Dose, go ahead, and I'll, I'll chime in. Yeah, basically, um, I mean, you were actually a great experiment when you first came in as far as uh, your ailments and your, uh, quotations, old man injuries. Um, but, no, on a serious note, it's taking uh, the body and just not overanalyzing. I think a lot of people – get too descriptive with biomechanics and you know movement analysis and all that I think if you understand the client that you're working with and understanding that you have a knowledge base and they have a limited knowledge base and being able to teach them how to use their body functionally for their sport or daily activity in a way that they can understand that is productive safe and creates a healthy lifestyle that's where we came in um, so simple things like the hip complex of the body people complain of back pain People complain of, you know, hamstring tightness, flexibility, mobility. So if we just attack this one thing, tell you why and show you a few exercises of how to loosen something up and why it's working and then you see the results, oh, it's simple as A plus B and C. It's just right there and then. So not getting too crazy um, scientific with it, but letting you know that this is the process, this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it, and then by you going out and performing, you see the results. Um, it's an individualized process for everything that you need or the next person needs. Um, on a grand scale of things, the human body, we're all similar in the sense of we all have the human body, but we all have injuries and ailments. So it's our job to make sure to diagnose it, give you the reason why, and have you see the results. Yep. Yeah, and I think along with that is what sets us a little different is we take all that and we provide this old school hard work uh, mentality to it. So there's a lot of people out there that have this functional mindset of train smarter, 
uh, go slower, do this. We take that and now we combine it with kind of the eighties action star, what we were taught and grown up on. And we combine grit and hard work with it. Well, the eighties action star is, is my star. Okay. So, so that's, that's solid enough, enough right there. Um, what I also want to touch on with you guys is that a lot of guys come to me um, and they don't know how to start. You know, they've, they've let themselves go a little bit, they're out of shape, or they feel like they need to be in shape before they go to the gym. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, I got to get myself back in shape before, before I go. And I want to kind of dispel that notion. You know, particularly when it comes to even group fitness, like I'm not going to that class because I don't want to look stupid in that room and I need to get in shape before I do that. But the value of, again, the purpose of a great trainer, a great coach is to help you get back in the game, to get you in shape. Talk a little bit about what you guys see in like the apprehension of or or how people get into this and how you coax them out of that that kind of inactivity and say, just give this a chance. I think it's twofold. Um you know, with people trying to get in shape, they usually with us, they're like, well, man, I got to get in shape before I go see the Congo. Like, that's kind of the, the thing. Or just, even just fitness. Well, I got to get in shape before I go try and get in shape. I, that's, that's an oxymoron. Like, once you're in it, like, that's the process. And you have to trust the process. And I think that's what we do a great job of is, one, making you feel comfortable. And two, the group of people that are in the arena where we're in, everyone eventually relates with each other and becomes close friends and somewhat family. So we've had experiences where, you know, females of overweight who have the most insecure, you know, confidence, all these things and telling us, Oh my God, I can't do this. Or I don't think I can do, I see this. I, I don't know if I can. And next thing you know, it, she's one of the most dedicated, hardworking clients that won't stop blowing her phone up and wants to continue to come back or vice versa. A male who's extremely out of shape, and talks about the story of how they used to be in the shape, I used to be this, I used to be that, and then that becomes their life again because the motivation, the atmosphere, our you know interactions with them and just making them feel better. At the end of the day, it is about fitness, but it's about relating to the client and making them feel comfortable. When you can establish that comfort, that makes the individual and client relationship so much better, and then that's when the culture and then the Congo way comes along and it becomes this this movement. Yep. I kind of describe it as, you know, these, the workouts, you know, anything you should be doing should be filling your tank rather than, than emptying your tank. You know, if you can get in there, put the work in, like the people you're working with, like the people you're around and leaving kind of more energized and inspired than feeling, you know, depleted, you know, we go hard, you know, but I think the point on it also is that it's scalable as well. And, and it's a process and it's an evolution to get a little bit better each and every day that, that you, you go there. I want to ask you guys also about uh, the training of elite level athletes, mm-hmm. pro athletes, and the training of kind of the, the layman, the, normal, the, weekend, the weekend warrior also. And do you approach it differently? And so kind of like how and why? Um, yeah, I think... I think it's a total different approach. Um, I think the principles are very similar. So a lot of, a lot of our business is we see clients because we train so-and-so. So you want to, you want to put that element of, Oh, this is how we do it with X person. So 
we'll do a certain exercise and just be like, yeah, this is what we do with X person. But like deep down the science, the, the mechanics behind it, I think for your weekend warriors and a lot of our clientele's, the base principle is similar to our athletes, but we don't we don't examine it as much. So as far as doing um, a ton of the, the the programming and recording and making sure guys are getting bigger, stronger, faster, it's it's less. I guess I you'd say less science based with with your our everyday clientele. Yeah, with that, those these guys want to come in, work out, sweat, you know, train train like these other cats and say, man, I just did. Uh, a James Harden workout or something like that. And now with the elite athlete, like a DeAndre Hopkins or whoever, we have to be very critical. You know, this is millions of dollars. This is their livelihood. Um, and they're paying us a fee to make them that exact thing. So now with the other guys, if they want that extent, we'll get more detail oriented. But I would say 95% of the population wants to be broken down, sweating, grunting, yelling, and be like, dang, I just got my ass kicked. I'm coming back. I hated it, but I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. But... What I've noticed, and I had never trained in and around pro athletes uh, or elite level athletes before, but what I noticed was, again, the kind of training that you're doing with these athletes or the way that pro athletes train is they have to perform in a game. You can't beat them up, break them down, hurt them to the point where they can't perform. It's a totally different approach. Versus what you're saying, like, hey, we're paying for the session, and I saw this with group fitness in my own place. I'm giving you 30 bucks a class. I need to get every freaking dollar. I need $100 for the value out of this, and if it didn't kill me, okay, then I didn't get, yeah. didn't get my, my money's worth. The science behind it and the manner in which you train, how do you convey that kind of, from a mindset standpoint to the client that, again, these workouts are designed to make you perform better, feel better, ultimately look better, but... They're not to kill you, you know, either to kill you or injure you. <laughs> I think, I think the results kind of speak for itself. We have clients that'll just carry it out in everyday life, like simple things like getting groceries and take them to the car. Now become easier. Um, just little posture things with day to day work or being put in elements where they have to do some type of exercise and how all of a sudden it's easy for them. I think that's where those our movements, our athletic-based stuff translates to our everyday people. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the types of movements that you guys utilize. You know, since training with you guys, I've also done a lot more, a lot more unilateral stuff, a lot more balance stuff. You start to realize, like, wow, where where you're really weak, you know, and where and where you have you actually need some work for day to day. I mean, we talked before about driving, you know, driving in the car. We talked about being sedentary and sitting at your desk. We talked about, you know, carrying your kids or luggage through air. like the functional shit that the rest of us, you know, have to do. Um, kind of the the movements and again and the philosophy behind helping people perform better in what they're doing every day. Yeah, you hear you hear a lot of people talk about the core and you know, being stronger there and being more functional. But what exactly is that? Is it crunches? Is it is it planking? What exactly is that? So we do a combination, a little bit of everything. One, informing you what it is that we're doing. And two, breaking down, you know, core and balance. So a guy like yourself, you need a happy medium of both. So why would you stand on a BOSU ball? Or why would you stand on a balance pad to do a stretch or to do a movement? Well, that's going to help you with reaction. That's going to help you with ankle stability. That's going to help you with core muscles because you're engaging other muscle groups so 
I feel like we do a great job of being able to cater to the client slash athlete and train them in a functional way for their sport or daily activity. So if you're getting simply getting out of a chair to move to go pick something up, well, you got to be able to open up your hip, step forward and go here. So how can I do that to translate for you to do that on the next spot or vice versa with an athlete? If, mm-hmm. if James or somebody has to cross over and then take a Euro step, how do we do that to create a, you know, if it's a transverse plane, if it's a frontal plane or whatever the case may be to help them make that step or approach. So it's just, taking that down and breaking it down from a functional aspect and not just, you know, bilateral, trending unilateral, simple jumps, simple, but not getting too crazy with it. Cause some things on Instagram or things you see now, guys are doing like 5,000 ladder drills or hop, skip step with a reaction. And then a tennis ball and this and that, just taking something, using a foundation, repeating that over and over again, perfecting it and then advancing it. Mm-hmm. Now we, ju- we jumped ahead a lot cause we, cause we know each other, but let's, let's, Let's back it up, okay, to to the beginning. I want to know where this got started, uh, how you guys were raised, where you come from, and when you decided, like, this is what we're going to do, and, and, and the process that you guys took to get where you are now. Um, so we're actually both uh, from Wyoming. Um, our grandfather was basically the American dream. He, um, he moved from Pakistan to Wyoming, at the time, it was, it was culturally similar to Pakistan, which is kind of why he was in that realm and, you know, from the mountains and agriculture. So he basically started out making burgers and tamales, um, and he became the town's favorite for burgers and tamales. And who was, it was, it was, he was trans, it was all mobile, right? He had it everything. Was a cart, yeah. yeah, a cart. He went everywhere. Pulled up on his cart and everybody came to him. We created the whole food truck thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, um, you know, he was getting involved in investing and, you know, he did his due diligence and became very smart with his investments. And that's kind of how we ended up here. So my passion actually came from, you know, Taj in the sense he had multiple knee injuries, which I'll let him diverge into his knee issues. And then I'll come back and where I was at with it. I've had, so I've had three ACLs in my left knee, and then I've had one ACL uh, repair in my right knee, uh, all from a uh, mix of football and basketball, going through high school and a little bit of college. Was that due, do you think, either improper training at the time, um, or you know, just genetic, genetic, or just freak accidents, and you know, hey, like, I got ACL, uh, I'm prone to ACL issues, and now what do I do to rebuild and strengthen around it so it doesn't happen? Uh, I think it's a, a really good mix of everything. So uh, the way we were trained, it was now that we kind of know, like we weren't trained right, we were never taught how to jump, how to land, how to absorb, how to cut. Um, and then the, uh, the methods of what we were training was you know, heavy squat. And that was it, our heavy leg press. So we weren't ever trained on single leg or our balancing or change of direction. And I think that in combination with a little bit of genetics and, you know, docs just say bad luck too, you know. So all those were like learning lessons for us. So how do you guys pick up from there again? So you're in, in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've had some injuries. You're both athletes. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
when do you start kind of learning that thirst and quest for knowledge of you know how to do this a little bit differently or how to get a little bit better and how because you're not you're known for you're for technique also yeah. i mean you guys demo movements and you do stuff and like even my kids say like fuck well, they don't say it like that like, like, like Taj is like a gazelle you know like, i got i mean the way you guys move and free and freeze frame stuff and hold positions when did that become like the passion for the mechanics and the expertise and the science of all this when I was in high school, because I had two ACLs, and that's when I was like, I was fed up with it. I'm like, man, he had it and I had it. I'm like, what is going on? So I was doing my research, and then that's when I knew of Steve Hess. He was with the Denver Nuggets at the time. And that's what really intrigued me in that sports performance aspect, not just strength and conditioning. He was doing things with bands and stuff. At the time, I had no clue why. It just looked cool. So that was the start of it, and that got me intrigued of like, okay, how do I get in this? But intellectually I was so afraid to take the classes I was horrible at school I worked hard but you know you're talking about anatomy physiology physics biomechanics and in my head I already counted myself out I was like man I already struggled with high school like there's no way I'll be able to do this so I was initially going to school to be a police officer and then as I got my foot in the police officer door at University of Wyoming I mean I was in California at the time and then when I came back I'm like when I came back to University of Wyoming I was like okay, I, I know what I have to do to do what I want with my life. You just got to take that step and be like, I have to suffer. I have to take these classes. And if this is your dream, you got to go for it. So while I was there, I was interning with the strength staff at the University of Wyoming, getting my hands on football, basketball, volleyball, whatever I could. And it was in football that I met, you know, some of the, the guys that kind of believed in me. And that's where I was taking my techniques that I personally knew and learning from the strength staff there and divulging into those clients and building that relationship. And those relationships became client-based, friendship-based, and more of them, the quarterback, the receiver, started gravitating towards me. And it worked out, too, because Taj was um, a GA. uh, No, not a GA. He was an assistant, just interning, trying to get his hands on with the football side. So he was able to do all the skill work, and then I was able to do the strength work, and it worked hand-in-hand. So... After I got all my volunteer hours there, I had to do another internship at, um, I, got, I got to go to uh, California at a place called Athletes Performance at the time, uh, which is now called Exos. And ironically, I went there because Derek Rose tore his ACL and I was doing research. I'm like, okay, there's a place that has something like this because I've never seen it yet. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up. I said, this place looks amazing. Let me, let me shoot my shot. And I got through the interview process and they accepted me because of all the volunteer hours and just, you know, my background. Um, And that just came through hard work and networking. So when I got to Athletes Performance in Carson, California, they had put me with the head head performance coaches. And that was like, cool. I was like, okay, this is a good start. And then ironically, I didn't know Derek Rose was at that location. Mm -hmm. So sure enough, since I was the head with the head performance coach, I got to learn from him, and then a month later, Derek Rose eventually came in. So the irony of that, just like the vision of wanting to go there because of Derek, and then actually having a month under my belt from learning from the performance coach, and then that coach never, he taught me a lot, but he didn't. Anytime I had a question, he'd say, why? I'm like, well, that's what I'm here for. (laughs) I had to come back the next day, do my research, and then after I did my research, he would say, okay, now I'm going to give you some more. Now I'm going to give you some more. So it was never easy even learning at this internship. Mm -hmm. And after that, you know, Derek came in multiple times, starting to build a relationship with him. Um, My coach said, okay, you got it this time, unexpectedly. I'm like, 
man. So I was prepared, but it was just like this moment that I've been waiting for. And it just, it was a simple warm up, you know, bands, activation, dynamic warm up. And it was like the time of my life. And so from there, athletes' performance taught me a lot from the, you know, technique, the body control, the anatomy. Um, that is what excelled myself to take it to the next step and made me super confident going into my future endeavor. You know, without athletes' performance, which is now EXOS, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And I feel like that's what separated me at the time from the rest because a lot of people didn't know what athletes' performance was at the time. Now, it's a big deal. They're offering certifications, you know, all these things. At the time, it was a tight-knit place that you had to have a background to do certain things, and it was only an internship base. Mm-hmm. Now they're doing all sorts of certs in two weeks, four weeks. You can learn from here or there, evolution of it. So when I left there, I graduated, got my diploma, and I went to another place in L.A. at the time to do NFL combine training. So now I'm in a position in my life where I'm confident it's time to get paid because I'm tired <laughs> of working for free. And, you know, being there, um, I had established a relationship, again, kind of history repeating itself, some of the clients and athletes. Um, Bradley Roby at the time, he was a corner for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, he was having shoulder issues, and he wasn't getting the attention needed, so I took it upon myself, like, right, let me help you out. And it was cool to see the translation of what you learned and applying it on your own now and seeing it work. So confidence built more. And ironically, he had the fastest 40 time of that group. He ran a 4-2-9 unofficial, so it was like a 4-3-4, I believe, at the combine. Um, at that point in time, I had met Arian Foster, and he brought me down to Houston, and that was the start of my process um, in Houston. And that was 2013. Had a great run with him and a handful of clients. Um, personally, just regular, everyday Joes, awesome people, great relationships, and then athletes. I think we had the whole Texan squad at the time, Andre Johnson, Glover Quinn, Owen Daniels, Chris Myers. It was a good run. It was a great run. Built great relationships. And then some things didn't work out. And, you know, my brother will come in and how he came into Houston with me. But it was that transition from Exos to going to L.A. again is where I learned that foundation and felt very confident in my training. Mm-hmm. And taking that and combining everything rather than just focusing on one thing. Just Exos. I took bits from Exos. I took bits from the other place in LA. I took bits from my other mentors and just continued to evolve. And that involvement led me to relationships and relationships like Gunnar Peterson and all these amazing people, Corey Gregory out in Ohio. So it's just like all these things started finally coming together. Take all those, mesh it, and make it into the Congo way. Awesome. And, and I want to touch on some of those other names and kind of the network of, of professionals and how you guys kind of work and respect one another. But Taj, your path was a little, you, Wyoming, Utah, right? Mm-hmm. Utah. Where, where are we in this? And, and when did you guys link back up again? Yeah. In Houston? So um, I did my undergrad at UNLV. Uh, I originally pursued a degree in hospitality because I wanted to have my own casino like Robert De Niro. Okay. I soon found out that that was not for me. I switched majors. I went to PE and coaching. I went to something I loved, which was sports. Um, so I graduated in winter of 2010, and I spent uh, a year, basically a year back home. And I was job searching, and Dose was going to the University of Wyoming, which is where we're from. So he was at the university. I just tried everything I could to get on the staff at Wyoming. 
um, through some connections and some talking. He was a strength intern. He kind of got me through the loop through the strength coach. Um, I did a little interview. I became a student assistant, um, which technically wasn't allowed because I was already graduated. So my first job at Wyoming was uh, making coffee and filling the fridges. I had to learn everything on my own through sitting in meetings and just literally grabbing playbooks and reading them and watching and learning. So this was 2011, 12, um, 13. Um, I, and through those years, I worked my way up. Um, and then my one of my mentors took a job at the University of Utah. I went to Utah with him. And then that's where I got to uh, open up more and coach receivers. Um, so I was there for three years, uh, three seasons. And then I was in this pinch where I was trying to get on a, a more prestigious job. Um, I Mind you, every summer I came back to Houston to work with all the off-season guys to help benefit myself um, and help my brother out. So here I am kind of jobless trying to get on. I was trying to get on with the Texans, and a bunch of the Texans guys had had set up meetings with Coach O'Brien and myself. And um, it was just weird. Things didn't work out, but I was very blessed. Um, And my role with, with my brother at the gym that we were previously at just kept growing and growing. And then I had learned everything from him. And then through the years of college, like he would send me workouts and I would know the exercises. And that's how I kind of learned was just performing. And then once I got to him, I got to truly be another student. So I combined the aspect of coaching, skill work, and then I learned all the training stuff from him. And I got a kind of good little mesh of both. And that's where our NFL offseason stuff comes into prime factors where a lot of guys can't can't touch us in that realm because we got the training on lock and then I can also take a player to the field and actually know what I'm talking about where a lot of guys just act like they do what's the process that you guys go through to create the workouts like how much prep goes into that that we on the consumer side and we kind of take for granted you know you guys aren't staring down at at paper there's no like whiteboard where everybody's doing the same you know freaking thing how much time are you spending kind of in the lab you know separately together swapping stuff back and forth and just saying pulling things from different other experts out there to to kind of design these workouts that you put people through every day that basically in a nutshell that comes from over 10 years, seven years, five years of just putting in work daily. So what you see is years and years and years of work. You don't just see a night prep. So it's us back in Utah. It's us back in Laramie. It's us two months ago. It's us going to Ohio. It's, it's all these things that we've accumulated over time that we know that feels works, that works and then we know, like, oh, these guys are going to like this workout, or these people are going to love this, or it's going to be a cardio-based workout. I know these soccer girls are going to love this because I did this over here. So it's just it's accumulation of years over time that you get to finally see that comes to us because you've seen it, 16 people sometimes. I would say 10 people are on a different workout. The other six are maybe on the same workout. And how do we do that? It's just years and years of just work and just flow. What's the... I want to I want to talk a little bit about like the first time you guys were able to actually charge money. 
<laughs> like, like charge money to train somebody that makes their living in, in sports. And, wh- and what does that feel like? Who was that? Mm-hmm. And, and how did that feel? The question was charge, right? <laughs> charge money. Um, it, was, it, was two, it was twofold because it was a situation where you have respect for these guys. You know they have money. And you have to ask them, this is my rate now. Mm-hmm. And you just have to have that confidence in yourself knowing that you've been with these guys for so many years that this is your product. This is your service. You're providing them with something. I'm a human being, you're a human being, they're a businessman, they're a businessman. So it's just a simple conversation. So if you go about it that way, that's what it's going to be. So that's what I did. I'm like, I'm very established now. I'm not this 23-year-old kid, which is how I started. I was 23 when I was training Andre Johnson, Arian Foster, and all these guys. Um, I'm established, and this is my rate, and I personally believe I deserve this. And so when that conversation went, it wasn't even a conversation. I said, hey, this is where I'm at. This is how much it is. They were there the next day. Simple as that. So it was just affirmation of like, okay, you know, we've been doing this. And it's just cool to know that they value us just as much as we value them. Well, I think that's the conver- is what it comes down to is it comes down to value. You know, when we were talking about this earlier, how you establish you know, value and people go on feel. Do I feel that the value is there? Do I feel that the return on investment, you know, is there? And we were talking earlier about kind of the allocation of capital. People can spend money however they, they choose to spend money. Mm-hmm. And then clients and clients vote with their wallet, you know, to, to a certain, to an extent also. I mean, they, they really do. But how you get out there and say, okay, can we deliver a quality product every day that people have, people value and, we need to keep the light, and I don't. We need to keep the lights on. We have a quality of life. We got a brand that we're that we're trying to build as well. And I think to hop in on that, I think those two words you just said, quality and brand, those are like two prominent things that we pride ourselves on. Because at a point in time, you know, in in this training realm, there's services that are for free. There are people that are similar but different at the same time, and we were placed in situations where. Are we going to compete with free? Do we go half off of what we're doing? And, you know, we've, we held our ground. We believed in our brand and we believed in our, in our value. And you said, we're not going to go that route. We're going to hold our ground and this is who we are. And if it's just one athlete, we're going to get the best athlete and give him the best service in the world. And it worked out. And now we got some of the, I would say, the top receiver in the game and the top NBA player in the game. And it's just cool to look back at it now in a persevere moment of questioning who you are and how you're going to do it. And then when you overcome it and looking back at it now. You mentioned a couple of names earlier on. You mentioned Corey. You mentioned Gunnar Peterson. Um, we've talked about, about guys that are at the top of their game in various parts of the, parts of the country. Talk a little bit about the network of kind of professionals. You know, this is a crowded space right now, too. A lot of, everybody thinks, a lot of people think they can do it, you know? There's all kinds of stuff. We've got the nightclub-type fitness, you know, in there. We've got, you know, the spinning-type thing. We've got music. We've got style. We've got clubs. We've got, we got people that shouldn't be doing certain things also that are out there. But what I'm interested in is kind of the, 
that level of professionalism where, where people have transcended the commodity and they're at this level of professionalism and how you guys kind of interact, speak to one another, visit one, like this kind of elite level community. Talk to me a little bit about, because you guys have been really good about acknowledging mentors and working with others also and pulling from others. So where is this little secret society, you know, or maybe not so secret society of elite level kind of kind of trainers hanging out what are they doing um i think a good point to that is we have immediately known when we have met that person we were trying to meet if he was our type of guy or not or he or she um there's just something about it there's some they get us we get them um it's like an automatic filtration and like there'll be some people you meet and you know you show them the respect and you just don't feel it the same coming back or um i don't it's just like a, a group of 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 excellence that's it's it just can't can't really be described like you just know when you click with someone and why that person's meant to be in your life and why you establish that relationship like okay this guy gets us he's our type of guy or that that's just it just fits and it's hard, very hard to describe because we've met some people that we thought were going to be one way and they weren't that way. And then we, you know, you just filter them out like, okay, this guy maybe is not the, the role model we thought he was or he or she. So there's certain guys and those can speak on a little more. Yeah. I think, um, what now with podcasts and entrepreneurship and everything that's out there on social media, how they talk about networking, I got to craft now in my head. It was, I did, wasn't smart. I'm smart, but I'm like book smart. I knew I wasn't capable of doing certain things, but I knew that if I put something in my head, I was able to somehow get that. So now looking back at it, I think about Steve, I thought about Steve Hess. I remember when Steve Hess followed me on Instagram, I'm like, holy crap, this is crazy. Gunnar Peterson. Gunnar Peterson was because of Stallone, Arnold, like these guys that you know, he had in his gym and Stallone was like my idol. I mean, he still is. And, um, like, like for, so from the ninth grade, eighth grade, I had these guys in my head. And as I evolved, the universe worked to say it worked itself out. And then the respect came because go back to the years of work. And then same thing with a guy like Corey Gregory in Ohio with Max Duffer muscle. We took his product when it was muscle farm at the time. And this is when we were nobodies. Like, we were experimenting with this blue raspberry and feeling this tingling feeling. Like, what is this tingling? Like, this is amazing. <laughs> but now that we know science and, and, you know, supplements, just seeing that grow and building that relationship. And it's just, it's just years of work. And I think that's what people lose track of, like, these relationships and this networking community that you talk about. You know, we have a close friend of ours that talk about it. It's like a secret society. Like, it's a fight club. Um, it's just years of putting in the work and a product that, you know, you can associate with. And even a guy like Adam with Strong Coffee, I didn't know who the hell he was. He followed me. We followed each other. And I was fucking with what he's doing and vice versa. He wanted some gear. I did not like coffee. I hated coffee. I'm like, what is this guy selling coffee? I'll try it out because it's cool. <laughs> and sure enough, I don't take any energy drinks now. I wake up at 3 in the morning. I work out. works 14, 15, 16-hour days. And I drink coffee from my wake up. 
and my afternoon picked me up. And I never thought that would happen in a million years. Yeah, so now we got to talk about this wake-up thing, okay? we got to talk <laughs> about this this 3 a.m. wake-up thing. we got to talk VersaClimber. we got to talk ridiculous amounts of, of, of lunges here. And this is not nece- this is a practice what you preach, but I want everyone also to know I am not out there doing fucking lunges or on the VersaClimber at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. There's stuff that these guys are doing, okay? And there's stuff that the rest of us are are doing, you know, with them. And they're... And there's a wide gap in, be- in between. But when did this shit start with the getting up and the filming this stuff and putting miles on the Versa Climber and 800 meter lunging laps? Like, what's going on? Honestly, I think it would start with our parents first because when I was always around them, we felt like we always had to work hard. And it was just a precedent. Like, I think our grandfather started it. So the, the mentality of work ethic was always there. And then summertime is usually a time for kids to like slack off in high school or whatever the case may be. But us being in sports, you weren't able to do that. So mornings was always a thing. And then we had to have morning jobs as well. So I'd work at the golf course in the high school. From golf course, go back to our house at the motel. We have a small mom and pop motel. Clean the rooms, do the landscaping, clean the cars. And then head over back to the high school and train the high school kids. So like that was my routine. So early a.m. was always there. The lunges, that came from Corey Gregory. I'm like, this guy's crazy. Because I feel like I'm crazy. So I tried it for the first time. and I could not walk. My chest was pounding. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start doing this. And then, you know, I used to wake up at 4 a.m. And I thought that was early. And then I figured out he was doing 3 a.m. Starting his workout at 4. So in my head, I'm like, if this guy's doing it, I have to do it. Because I see the success. Right? I, I'm a firm believer of if you do wake up and you're productive before everybody else, I'm not saying I'm better or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just believe over time, keyword over time, months, days, years, that's going to sum up to success. And I firmly believe that is why we're where we're at with the network of people where we're at and the mentality of it. And then so you know, getting to 3 a.m., that's when we wake up now, to Versa Climber, Blessing in Disguise, I purchased that because I really, really, really wanted one. Um, shout out to Rocky Four. That was like the thing. And this was before Versa Climbers were a thing. I think LeBron at the time was like putting Versa Climber on. But when we got out of our other gym, it was my equipment. And I had nowhere to work out. So I'm like, I'm going to use this thing. And that became my workout. It became Versa Climber, 30 minutes, 20 minutes or feet to break myself. And then luckily I lived right next to a track. I'm like, all right, I'll try Corey stuff. And then it became a method um, mentally to listen to podcasts and, you know, business-wise help me out and clear my head and just start my day. So right now, since I don't have a gym, I wake up 3 a.m., Versa climb, head to the track, lunge, take the dogs out, 100 ab wheels, and that's my thing. And lunging kind of took to the extreme because I'm an extremist. Instead of for 800 meters, I would do a mile, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I'll do, I'm an extremist, but that's where that mentality is. And you know, I'm a firm believer on waking up before the sun does, before everyone else does, and just setting the tone. Um, and then Todd, he can talk about his morning life. He's a married <laughs> man, too, so I commend him for it. Yeah, I think my morning stuff is a very big combination of all that he said. And then when I was coaching, we had, yeah. we'd have staff meetings or morning workouts with the team. You had to be out at 6 a.m., and then when you're coaching, you have like a little lunch break. But I was a, a GA, so I had to draw scout cards for scout team during that time. So my only option was to work out. 
in the morning and in the in the coaching world there's scouts that come in to check your players out and the job of a scout is to bring the coaches food so they bring donuts and bagels every day nfl scouts hey you guys got you some donuts hey guys got you some bagels and i'm looking around and all these coaches are just fat and a lot of them got a lot of the coaches used to be all american players that on that university and you're looking at them like what the heck happened so me and maybe one other guy coach harding one of my mentors we were the only ones in there working out in the morning so that's where that started and then when all the Corey stuff happened, um, it just it's it's a must for us now. So you you mentioned something and said, okay, we don't have a gym right now. Mm-hmm. So you're in you're you've got your own equipment and you're doing that. I want to talk about this, and we're going to get to the gym that that is that is coming. Okay, there is this like aha moment that is like so so close, you Detox. know, yeah, for for you guys. But what I also want to talk about is that it's not the location you know it's not the gym that necessarily makes the workout you know or or the congo way it's it's something else i mean i'm 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 looking for the right word i don't totally have the right word but we're training right now one you can go to the nicest hotel in houston and we can train at the post oak hotel terrific okay we get our congo workout in at the post oak hotel did i ever think i'd be working out at the post hotel Uh, i i did not or, okay, come Friday, we're on the roof at, at, Taj, at Taj's his building. Mm-hmm. Come Saturday, you know, we're outside on, on a field. Mm-hmm. Point is, it doesn't matter. Really, if, it doesn't matter where you are, per se. It's ma- it matters what you do. And I think the feeling that you get, you know, from, from that. And I think that's what's... That's the know, Congo way. That's what's made the brand like made the brand and kind of given this feeling of like, okay, this is fun too. And that's, and kind of the message I want to put out there to other guys. And I've been a big proponent of this for a while is, you know, just keep inviting more people to keep inviting more people to come, keep inviting more people to come because look, I genuinely enjoy this stuff. Mm -hmm. And you get a lot. I, I have yet to find the downside. I've yet to find the downside of getting up, training, sweating, Work, you know, working hard, looking better. I've yet to find the downside of any of this. And the geography, per se, or the location or the gym itself is a, is a, is a byproduct, but it's really what we're doing, you know, when, when we're there. So talk to me a little bit out there about the notion that, like, hey, anybody can do this stuff, you know, anywhere, kind of anytime, but it's where you're getting your, your programming or, or, or what, ex, what excites you. I mean, is that, that valid, you know? Yeah, I think it's, it's cool to hear, when hear, you, hear you talk about that because it was, I'm going to be honest, it was an insecurity of mine with, it was a buildup of both. So when I was leaving my other location, I saw the amount of clientele that, I, you know, we were bringing in and it was like, okay, this is great. But when that, you know, that closed... It was like, oh, crap. You know, when you come from, you know, just busting your butt every day or just on a, a salary paycheck, mind you, we weren't making a lot mm-hmm. to you don't know what's going to happen to a whole new endeavor to move to a hotel and hope that people come with you. It's scary. Mm-hmm. And it was. No matter, like, how, how, mu- how, much, how early I wake up and how many, all this positive talk I give, it's still a fear of mine. And to this day it is. 
and we have over 150 plus 200 plus clients and I still have that fear but you know getting back to what you said I think it's just great to hear because that's goes back to the brand and quality and the Congo way the fact that you're able to drop us into a hotel with none of the equipment we used to have and you know, I joked with Taj the other day. We posted a video of our uh, boot camp we did, you know, in the ballroom of the Post Oak Hotel with, like, I don't know how expensive the carpet is and all this stuff. We probably had 20 people, um, and we killed people with no equipment. And I just sat back and I thought about it. I was like, wow, we really did that. And we continue to do that for the past year. And to be able to not only do that, but to increase clientele, increase revenue, increase brand awareness, and to continue to promote something with, you know, hardly nothing is, I think it's a, it's a testament to who we are. Um, but it's been a huge blessing, you know, with having, you know, Patrick Fertitta was huge in our corner to, you know, bring us in the hotel and have us, you know, be able to use that place. But, you know, you go from a performance facility to, a, you know, a beautiful hotel mm-hmm. gym. You know, a lot of people weren't, you know, they'll break. They'll break or they'll just give up or they'll confine to a, a local gym in Houston and just pay rent and want to just, you know, be average. And that's not our way. We, we chose to take the path that's less traveled, bet on ourselves and hope that our brand will bring people like yourselves and everyone else in the Houston community to continue to support us. And it's, it's paid dividends. So I want to touch on, um, families a little bit. Obviously you guys, family is important to you. My brother's here too. My kids, everything else. I want to touch on, families and, and kids as it pertains to developing healthy habits, you know, getting into, getting into routine, in my case, father, son, you know, training and, and, and family, uh, and kind of, we've, we've lost this a little bit, you know, like phys ed programs are, are, are getting cut, you know, kids are, are, every kid is making every team because no, all the time, unless we're talking about some select stuff, but so there's, all, there's been less impetus to, you know, learn functional movement and develop healthy habits and train. And one thing, a blessing and a curse, you know, my younger one, Harper, got hurt last summer and broke his femur and had the surgery, and it was the comeback, you know? Um, and you're going to see the glass, glass half full and all these things, too. But it became this opportunity to actually train to actually learn how to rebuild your body again develop healthy habits come back from an injury that i think was in the best part of this and and working closely with with taj on this i mean it's really been amazing to see what these kids can kids can do and what you guys can do for that um and and as i'm rambling on but we've done this as a family now too like we get excited okay let's all four of us meet on the rooftop and let me get my 16 year old in there too and i think it's an element and it's an area that we need to focus on. People need to focus on. This is stuff you can do together, you can do for your kids, but develop healthy habits. And where do you guys on kind of youth, youth fitness, you know, and training and training kids? I know you do a bunch of work with Harden's AAU team and some other guys, but let's talk a little bit about this because, you know, I've just had some personal experience with it over the last year. And if I didn't start, you know, getting into this when I was younger and, and rip my knee apart and stuff like that, if you don't develop this stuff early, it doesn't really become a lifestyle. Yeah, I think it's huge. It's especially today's society. I sound old as hell. Um, and it's going to keep getting worse. So the more 
kids we see now, it's just so social media driven and so on their phone and tech based. And like truly these kids just aren't working out. They aren't exercising. There's a select few where their parents are doing it right and teaching them. And I think that's what you do a great job of. You get your kids out there. And when I train your kids, they do a good, great job of just letting their phone be and they work. Um, if we could start changing that culture and make, I guess, make the fitness thing fun, because even with uh, the hardened kids, what I, I noticed was pretty cool was they started really messing with the culture and liking it, like, hey, can I get a T-shirt or um, using the Congo way in a social media aspect. So now they're saying, this is where I'm working out at and showing a picture of the logo instead of sitting on the couch and showing their in and out burger, you know, <laughs> little things like that. Sorry, we do both, but okay. <laughs> we just got to call a spade a spade. We, we, we do both. But that's why you do some of this, right? You work hard so that you can hit that drive through every once in a while? Yep. <laughs> yes. Facts. Um, we also talked about, about athletes. I want to talk about the retired athletes too. Because now coming through, I see a lot of retired athletes still working with you guys. Um, and they have put the work in, they have trained for the game. A lot of these guys have spent, you know, 10 plus years, you know, in at, at elite levels. And now they're coming to see you guys after the game. I want to talk a little bit about what that feels like to train, you know, those guys um, and how they're still putting it in do you train them do you train them differently i mean i kind of see them as ambassadors of 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 the congo way um and it's cool to be around them and train next to them um why do those guys stay stay with it you know like how do you what's going on there i ask myself that all the time (laughs) um no i think it's cool i think it's a, a testament of i think the growth of relationship because you know, I, I still had to earn everything, but because I got to work with, you know, Arian at the time, you know, and Arian is the biggest critic. If he doesn't like you, he'll tell you how it is. But he believed in what we were doing so much that the other guys jumped on board. And then that's when it's on us to make, you know, he gave us a platform and then it's on us to continue and mold and build that relationship. So, you know, I think one, it's a, it's a comfort level now. You've known a guy three, four five years. They've had a couple of Pro Bowls. They've you know, enjoy the friendship, the camaraderie, and then a familiarity. So, you know, post-career isn't easy. I think, you know, with TV, like guys like Antonio Brown and stuff that everyone can relate to and see what's going on, and, you know, this Aaron Hernandez documentary, you know, football and, you know, balancing life and family and, and fitness and just all these things that come along, it's tough. I mean, you know, it's nobody's perfect nobody's superman so i think you know fitness has always been in their realm you got to realize football weights recovery eat that is like their identity and if you put that with people that they generally enjoy to be around and they like what, what we do on top of throwing other guys that come back from retirement it's it's a great feeling like it bring me it brought me so much joy you know about a week ago you know dre came back in you know, he was, uh, you know, overseeing O'Brien and the GM stuff and then season was over. And then, you know, GQ came in, he's, you know, losing weight. And then Owen Daniels came in. It was just so cool. It brought me joy. Like I was their parent to see all three of them 
happy to see each other. And I'm like, this is what it's about. And it just made me realize like our gym is so much more than just a gym. Like they need this, we need this and a home away from home. Mm -hmm. The guys always talk about, you know, you know, the locker room, you know, it's like when you get out of the game, you lose the locker room Mm -hmm. in there and the camaraderie and the community and the schedule, all of that. And then you got to try to find a way to navigate through that and maybe replicate that or get that back some somewhere else. It's kind of like what it feels like. You you walk up those stairs and you're just like, oh, okay, this this is what it's like. That's what it is like the gym is now the locker room talk. So some of their sessions are a little longer than most people because they're sitting there bullshitting. But um, I think one of the coolest parts is they go from this elite athlete to retire, take some time off, come back, and now they're looking at housewives and stuff and like amazed. Like, Damn, how'd you do that? Damn. <laughs> Shit like that. That's hilarious to see some NFL veterans like astonished by – just your everyday people. And then the relationship those people form with retired athletes is, it's pretty cool little, little culture that we have going right now. So let's take that culture. Let's fast forward this culture to, to the next, to the next phase. Mm -hmm. What's going on. What's the next phase of Congo? Where are we going? Okay. Lease is signed. Building located, architecture developed, permitting waiting on. Okay, so we have a location, we have the lease sign. Um, we're very happy with the look we're gonna put out, um, the services we're gonna offer. We have everything pretty much planned. We've been thinking about this for multiple years. Um, and now it's truly just a, a waiting game and timing. We have a lot of moving parts. With uh, in terms of just structurally, architecturally, the equipment we're trying to get, um, and it's coming. So we're we're not putting a set date on it. We're just kind of letting things roll. We we're, we're hoping late spring, early summer of this year, um, we'll be in the the Med Center West U region of Houston. Um, I think that's pretty quick and easy. Yeah, it's um it's happening. It's going to be something special. You know, I keep mentioning it. It's going to be an experience that, you know, Houston culture has not experienced yet. I think people who have kind of worked out with us have got a touch of it. But we're about to bring something that, you know, truly is special. And we want to give to the, to the city of Houston. Um, you know, we pride ourselves on who we are and how we hold ourselves. And we pride ourselves even more of the brand that we put out. So, you know, our job to Houston is to bring out the best training service and culture that we can create and we're going to do everything we can to make that happen um and future clients don't be afraid you know ladies are welcome overweight people are welcome the athletes welcome this is a home away from home and you know we're excited for it yeah i also wanted to um just mention that this process has been done just dose and i you know we've had People bail on us, investors back, put in, back out. Um, and the only thing that stood true is just our brotherhood. Um, my wife has helped a ton on the uh, the business side. So it's it's truly a small family-run business right now. And it's going to stay that way. Yeah. It was all a great learning experience. Um, and I'm grateful for every part of the process. You know, it's it's cheesy, but you got to fall in love with it. It's tested my my patience, you know, my, my character, 
um, I trust, but it all happened the way it was supposed to happen. And, you know, this is how it's supposed to be. And we're just going to continue to grow and build those relationships. And, you know, whatever happens from here happens from here. And we're excited. People want to follow the journey. They want to follow you two guys. They want to follow the progress on the road. Where are they finding you? Okay, we have a website, thecongoway.com, where you can get all your apparel as well. Um, I'm on Instagram at Taj underscore Congo. I'm at Dose underscore Congo, D-O-S-E underscore K-H-A-N-G-O. And we also have at the Congo Way official Instagram where you can follow the building process, kind of a little vlog style Instagram. So every little chapter is going to be on that. All right, guys, there it is, the Congo way. Find them, follow them, keep up with everything. You want to rock some of the sweet Decepticon gear, you can get that there as well. The new gym is coming. It is a family affair. It is a way of life. This is the Midlife Mail Podcast. Greg Scheiman here. Like what you hear. Again, thumbs up, five-star review. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Come back and listen. Let's spread the word. Thank you guys so much for being here. See you next week. Thank you, boy. Look out for detox. You've been listening to the Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheinman, presented by Ends Group. Ends Group is ensuring success. For more information, visit endsgroup.net. All right, guys, I want to talk a little bit about Mascot Books. They are one of the country's leading hybrid book publishers, and they can take your big idea and transform it into a print or digital book that matches your voice and vision. Whether your story is one of growth, balance, success, or all of the above, Mascot Books will bring it to life. Head over to mascotbooks.com to learn more. I am a big believer that everybody has a story. Everybody's got a book in them. Not just the athletes, CEOs, entrepreneurs, risk takers, but everybody. You know you've got an idea for a book. If you do, if you want to put it out there, head on over to mascotbooks.com. These guys are the best in the business. I have known Naren Ariel and his crew at Mascot Books for years. I've had him on the Midlife Mail podcast. Go back and check that out. We've also had a couple of his authors on the show as well. If you've got that story in you, if you want to be an author, you can do it. Mascotbooks.com. want to thank these guys for supporting the show, keeping the Midlife Mail movement growing. Mascot Books. Check it out.